You're listening to Spirit Grows Pesach series. So let's begin not with Pesach, but actually the night before Pesach. So in the lead up to Pesach, we do this um, age old Jewish tradition. It's called Pesach clean. Pesach cleaning uh, in the Northern Hemisphere corresponds to spring cleaning. This is the time of the year that the world starts to move into spring, if the world is the Northern Hemisphere. And the two accidentally became very, very mixed up. Spring cleaning is about removing dust from your homes. It's about making sure the curtains are hanging the right way. And it's a time to throw out all sorts of junk, old toys, things in the garage. Pesach cleaning is about removing leaven. That's it. The Torah says, don't have leaven in your house. Now, in the olden days, that was pretty easy. You had leaven, you ate it. You, you finished eating it, you had to make more the next day. So there was this point at which we didn't make any more leaven, any more bread, any more cake. Nowadays, with the invention of both um, fridge and freezers, as well as preservatives, we can have leaven in our house pretty much longer than even a cockroach's life. So we have to be really, really careful with what the Torah was talking about in the 21st century. Now, what that means is we don't literally throw everything out because Torah is always concerned about the, the financial welfare of the Jewish people. And therefore, we don't throw out our bread or our dishes or our pots and pans, but rather anything that can't be used and won't be used on Pesach gets put in a cupboard and that cupboard gets sealed. Either you put a piece of sticky tape or a sticker on the on the door that says, this is Chometz, don't open it, don't use it. And that way, not only are you not going to have the Chometz in your possession, as I'll explain in a second, but you actually are also going to um, uh, fulfill the other verse, which is, don't see it and it shouldn't be found. Well, if you can't see it because it's behind a door and it can't be found because you've actually sealed that door, that cupboard, that pantry, whatever it is, well then, is not being offended and you haven't got Chometz. So how do you get rid of the Chometz if it's actually in your house? How do you get rid of this leaven? And that's where the sale of one's Chometz to a non-Jew has come into the picture. So the sale of the Chometz is, is actually a, a legal transaction. I'm not sure that they're paying as much as it's all worth, but then again, it's a buyer's market. They know more than we do that we want to get rid of it, and therefore they don't have to pay a full amount. But if you sell your Chometz to the rabbi, and I don't do it, I do it via the Chabad.org website, they've got all the facilities, don't have to create another form, and they will make sure it gets done. Plus, there is a technical process to how the sale has to take place. So when you sign over your things to the rabbi, there is a process. You've now given over the address, and you sign a waiver that says, I am giving this over to the rabbi. Done. But what the rabbi then has to do is make a Kenyan. The rabbi will actually um, sign documents of sale um, to, with, with a non-Jewish person who's not bound by the laws of the Torah that say do not have leaven in your house for seven days. And it actually says that that person has the right to all the chametz. And then that person has to hand over money. That money has to be transactional. And then they will pick up a hanky. There's a demonstration of ownership, um, which is the old traditional way of how kinyonim, how... Um, um, acquisitions would take place. So this follows all the rules. So while it looks like a loophole, it is a loophole, but it is a legal loophole, meaning that there is nothing wrong with doing it. It's not finding a gap in the law as much as allowing the, to, to the usage of the law in order to protect our finances. If in theory, at the end of Pesach, the non-Jew decide, you know what? Coronavirus, there's a shortage of food. I'm going to every Jewish house in town and I'm going to actually buy I'm actually going to use it. Technically, it's theirs. What they haven't bought is access to your front door, which may present its own legal thing. I'll let all the lawyers out there determine 
whether or not you can buy something that you don't have access to. In days of old, um, people would actually search the house for chametz. They had um, rough floors, houses weren't finished as well, and also people had mice and rats and other animals going through the house. And we were always worried, what if those animals got hold of any of our food and dragged it to their little mouse hole or anywhere else? It's very possible that you'd actually have chametz in your home. Now, in the modern language, of larger houses, we call these things children. Children take food all over the place, which is why most houses have a rule, no food upstairs. You have to make that rule because someone is taking the food upstairs and it's not the Alter Fritzen for all my Austro-German friends out there. So the children take food and there's crumbs. Now we also have this thing called cleaning. We vacuum, we clean our house. So while we're fairly certain that cleaning our house is uh, pretty pretty much okay and um, we've done a good job, we still go through this age-old ritual of checking the night before. And part of that ritual is actually taking 10 pieces of bread, wrapping them up in um, tissue or paper, and then placing them around the house. We then walk around the house with a paper bag, a wooden spoon, a feather, and a candle. And the candle is there to present light, and the feather and the wooden spoon are to help scoop. But what we do want to do is do this symbolic tour of the house because it moves us into the consciousness of looking out, is there anything that I haven't taken care of? And we check the house. Now, why we would do it at night is because um, it's actually in some ways easier to notice things in the dark when you have a light than if it's bright everywhere. There's more focus and you're able to pay attention to what it is that you're looking at. So we go through the house and we do that. There is a blessing that you make on that, and that can be found on the first page of every Haggadah. And you can also Google this because this is before Yom Tov. Just Google Bdikat Chametz blessing. Bdikat Chametz blessing. So you make the bracha and you go on the search. When you finish, you tie the bag up and you leave it somewhere. The next morning, you wake up nice and early and you're going to do Biur Chametz. Now, the Biur Chametz and the Bdikat Chametz has a very beautiful Aramaic phrase that gets repeated in both, which is that Kol any leaven that I have in my house, I'm going to make onerless like the dust of the earth. But there's a spiritual intention that goes along with that. And that is, not only is it the, any, any, any uh, bread in my house am I making like the dust of the earth, but bread in Jewish spirituality represents ego. And the house is the body. The body is our temple. And what we're saying is any leaven, any ego that exists in my house should be like dust of the earth. And I go into the Pesach, the story of, the Pesach say, the story of slaves who had no ego moving into the freedom of a desert, which has no ego either. And we came to a place called Mount Sinai, which is where we receive the Torah, which is what happens when you are egoless, but you have a self-esteem, but you have no ego, you can receive the spirituality to become a conduit of good in this world. The next morning, you make a bonfire. Now, you'll remember that you used to have these cinder block um, fireplaces in your backyard. Kids like me used to fill them up with leaves all year round so that come along Pesach, we could actually have this booming bonfire where all that's become quite illegal. And then what we did was we moved to gutters. We'd take our little bag, pour a whole lot of kerosene. Well, we didn't. Our parents would pour the kerosene. We just sat there wishing we could be the one to pour the kerosene and light it. And then we'd light it in the gutter. Kids like us used to make big piles of leaves just down the road so they could accidentally be pushed into the fire. That became illegal. So people actually then just made little fires in their backyard with kerosene. That became forbidden. Most rabbis discouraged the use of kerosene because people have got badly hurt. Most paper bags are flammable. As long as the bread inside your bag is not wrapped up in cast iron, it should burn. That's why you put it in paper, let it burn. The wooden spoon will, will provide just enough fuel to make sure that it's burnt to a point that is no longer edible. <laughs>